I'm Anna Marie Cox, and are you one of those science fiction people? <laughs> Hi, I'm Daniel Dresner, and I'm feeling pretty alien myself today. Explain <laughs> so much, Dan. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to Space the Nation, where we look at science fiction through the lens of... Consociationalism. I might have to ask about that. Yeah, yeah, fair enough. <laughs> I, I, I get why you... It, there's a reason I chose that one for today. Yeah. <laughs> All right. And attribution theory. Today, we'll be talking about The Faculty, which is available at Paramount+. Plus. I have a Paramount Plus subscription. I'm betting you do too, Dan. I do as well. Yes. Why do you have one? Because Lower Decks is out. <laughs> <laughs> I have also begun the third season of Lower Decks. Okay. The fourth season just yeah. started, just dropped. Oh, no, you, then I've started, started the yes. fourth season. Excellent. Yes, because okay. yeah. I binged the first three seasons. Oh, good. In the next few weeks, however, we'll be talking about Rebecca Rowan Horse's Black Sun. And then we have, speaking of Star Trek properties. I one guess, of them, yes, at least. Yes. One of them. We are doing an episode about sci-fi musicals, of which we think there are two, at least two we're talking about. It occurs to me there might be one out there that we don't aren't thinking we should encourage our listeners if there are other sci-fi musical you know mashups to let us know maybe like the only one i can think of is maybe flash gordon but that's not really a musical that just has an awesome queen song as far as i can recall (laughs) we have lots of ideas ourselves but are always taking suggestions the best place Mm-hmm. for people to offer suggestions, mm-hmm. Dan. Well, that would be our Discord channel because yeah. both Anna and I are, you know, active members. Anna, a little more active than I. <laughs> but, you know, we, we we peruse everything that is said on the Discord. One of us a little more active. One, one of us is a little more active. One of us is a little more withholding. You know, I'm not going to say who. Yeah. Not going to name names there. <laughs> the point is, however, that the only way to get on that Discord channel, which is, by the way, a great channel full of a bunch of really interesting people, is to become a patron. So if you go to, where is it, Anna? It is patreon.com slash space the nation. You can become a patron for as little as $3 a month. You also get access to our monthly AUAs, early access to podcasts. And if we get to 250 patrons, we will do an episode for the patrons only about a topic chosen by the patrons. And it doesn't even have to be sci-fi. Could be about rom-coms, could be about Lifetime Movie Channel, could be about, you know, well, one We have some caveats. We have some caveats. There is no games. We're not going to do gaming. And we are not doing nine-hour movies. Sorry, hour- guys. Yeah. Sorry. Also, no nine-hour movies about the Holocaust. We've got our standards. You know, yes. just saying. Yeah. <laughs> On that note, Dan. Yes. How are you? I'm good, Anna. It was the first week of class. So always an exciting time. I will say that I did not have a, for one, you know, every once in a while I will, first week of school, I will have the same reaction as the students, which is, I don't want to go to school today. You know, but I didn't have that this this week, so that was good. How are you? I'm okay, Dan. We are going to have a break in the heat here. Oh, congratulations! Is it going to be below 100 finally? Are you you're cracking? Be in the 80s. Oh my God, that is just like that's the prediction. You're going to wear a sweater, aren't you? Probably. I remember when I was growing up here, Mm -hmm. my parents had gotten divorced, and I was they. There was a brief period where they bought me stuff. Oh yeah, right, right. The yes, of course. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've watched 80s sitcoms, very special yeah. episodes on. I know how this very works. Very special yeah. episodes. Yeah. And my dad got me this. Also, do you remember when Banana Republic was an actual like safari related <laughs> yes. exhibition stuff? Yes, like, that was, was their original stock. fashion theme. Right. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah. actually also like they had actual stuff from oh. like surplus. 
I didn't yeah. know that. But okay. Yeah. That that was not the cool stuff. The cool no. stuff was like the stuff that was like out of Africa. Right. You also remember that theme. Showing age, don't care. <laughs> I remember vividly one of the things that I really wanted was the Amelia Earhart leather jacket. Oh. Which in my memory mm-hmm. is as cool now as it was then i think I, it, I believe it would still be cool now i agree i think even if there had been a period where it wasn't cool it is definitely going to be cool now so yeah. so it was like a little bit cropped it had like kind of a almost double-breasted kind of zipper thing like right 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 yeah and my dad got it for me oh wow and but <laughs> but you never could wear it because you were in austin yeah Aww. basically like i remember it would like in the winter i think it got into the 60s and so I wore it, and I was just, like, <laughs> sweating. <laughs> well, after all, that also evokes Africa. So, you know, I mean. Yeah, yeah that's, that's true. A, that's a good true. Point. That's yeah. true. Yeah. So although I sometimes get kind of annoyed that the weather is the thing that people talk about when, you know, you politely ask how someone is doing, mm-hmm. I really feel like at this point in our climate change era. Yeah. <laughs> You're saying it's good about the jacket. Talking about the weather is not like an idle thing. No, no, you know? it's not like talking about the weather is not just like making inoffensive chit chat. It is potentially a loaded conversation these days. Yeah, yeah. So I have now gone over the weather. Yes, uh, we could probably get started with the. Yeah, we could talk about why we're doing this. And to be fair, our listeners might be a little grumpy with us because we said last week that we were going to be talking about Black Sun this week, and Anna called an audible on this one I did. because she had a fucking fantastic idea. I have I like this is a legitimately great idea, and I'm in awe. I, I'm actually jealous that you came up with this idea rather than I did. So yeah, <laughs> wow, I'm starting to get a little self conscious. I don't yeah. think it was that great an idea. It was a good idea, but. But since Dan was having his first week back at school, mm-hmm. and I had, for unrelated reasons, been thinking about Josh Harnett. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes. The Faculty. Yeah. I suggested we do The Faculty. I unironically love this movie, mm-hmm. which is kind of funny because it's a very ironic and self-conscious movie. It's extremely <laughs> meta, self-aware <laughs> film. Yes. Yep, yep, yep. And the reason I was thinking about Josh Hartnett is that, as I spoke about in the last episode, because there was a coincidence of Stephen King overlap Mm -hmm. in the Stephen King universe podcast that I do, we were talking about Under the Dome, and there is a casting choice that we all were like, eh, who should be in that role? And somebody suggested Ah. it would have been appropriate at the time, Josh Hartnett. And I was like, oh, man, yeah. (laughs) He was, I, I had such a crush on him. And his careers have been really interesting. He's done mostly really good stuff, and mm-hmm. he doesn't do much. That's no, what he I is find fascinating about him. You you sent me a link. He's clearly enjoying not living in Hollywood. I think would be the way to put it. And you know, yeah. he just sort of dips in and out. I'm going to again encourage you to see Oppenheimer because he's in that, and it's sort of surprising to see him in that. I, I will see it. I yeah. will see it. My hesitation actually has been usually I like the idea of going to a cool dark movie theater. Right. Or hot but it's been so fucking hot. It was like 107 the other day. Oh, so like even on, it, the movie theater just can't keep it cold is what you're saying. Yeah. Well, no, I just can't make it to the movie theater. Oh, <laughs> like fair enough. Okay. The idea yeah. of like getting out and, you know, driving over there. And yeah. Working. No, I understand. And then it's just, I mean, that doesn't sound like a lot to some people, but it has become when it gets that hot, it is the equivalent to living in Minnesota in the winter. Actually, the thing yeah. that I would dread is not so much going there. It's going back and going back in your car. Like, yeah, which has exactly. been heated up to God knows what. Like that—that that does sound really painful. Yeah. It just—it's it, 
idea of doing it is exhausting, so I mm-hmm. haven't done it. But maybe when it cools off a little bit. Okay. Next question. Next question is, will this podcast ruin it for you? In other words, do you need to watch this film? Do you need to watch The Faculty before you listen to this? And I think we're on the fence about this. I mean, there is a little bit that I want to say yes, because there are a few plot twists that you probably don't want to know in advance. Um, But I will say that if you do know the plot twist, watching it is equally enjoyable because they're cluing you in about what's going to happen is the way I would put it. Would that be a safe way of describing it, Anna? Exactly what I would say. In fact, that's what I put in the script. So, oh, sorry. Whoops. I don't know if you saw that. <laughs> no, but... I didn't actually. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, yes, I think that if you haven't seen it in a long time, mm. you don't need to rewatch it. You don't really need. No, I'm saying if you haven't seen it in a long time, still consider rewatching it. Oh, right, 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 right. Let me just wait. Because you'll know the plot twist already, but right. you will enjoy. Again, you will enjoy the way they're they're laying down the plot is the way I would put it. Yeah. And yeah. if you haven't seen it, I would still suggest, I think my strong suggestion is to watch it before, even, okay. even if you've already seen it some time ago, because it's enjoyable on a second watch because there are lots of clues that I did not fully take in the first time. <laughs> they're not like super subtle. No, but- no, no, no. But also not, you know, it... It's a legitimate plot twist, so you know it. Yeah. It, it 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 does take you by surprise. It took me by surprise. I remember when I watched it for the first time. So, yeah. yeah. So I, I guess we're saying it won't ruin it for you, but you'll enjoy the podcast more, and it, the movie is worth it. Yeah. So, so go watch there it. There you go. Okay. And welcome back. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Anna, what was your previous experience with this film? Dan, these last few episodes of the podcast have had me rethinking my first marriage. Uh, <laughs> In yes. a, a, a way, like, maybe, I don't know, like, I, I don't, getting divorced was the right thing to do. Mm-hmm. But I hadn't realized how much in the horror genre specifically, mm-hmm. he had really had some great picks. Like You can see why you married him, is what you're I saying. I can see why I married him. We One of the reasons we got married, to be totally honest, is we had, like, so much pop culture in common. Like, <laughs> mm-hmm. we loved the same bands, we Aww. liked the same books, we liked the same movies, we had the same politics, not enough for a marriage. Mm. And then my second husband, we had nothing in common. That's also not enough for a marriage, I would say. <laughs> Good to know. Okay. Yeah. So he introduced me to Event Horizon as well. Ah, which, is, I, it, which I know plays an important part in your, in it, your it, yes. horror And camp, so yeah. I saw this, I didn't see it in the theaters, but I feel like I saw it pretty early on mm-hmm. because it didn't feel super younger than me. Whereas right now watching it, it feels like, Oh my God, these are children that I'm watching. (laughs) Yeah. For me, Anna, I think this was just a blockbuster rental, you know, and I remember the selling points when it came out was like, you know, the director of Desperado and the writer of scream and, you know, the cast even at the time was amazing. And the cast looks in in retrospect, it's just freaking amazing. Yeah. Almost all of them have gone on to do amazing things. Yeah. One of them one of in them, particular. Yeah, well, well let let you know what? Yeah. That's a good segue into the story behind the story, Anna. Let's 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 talk about this because well, it gets us into news, Dan. We're rarely I know. in the news cycle of this podcast. True. But <laughs> you could argue between the the cast, Robert Rodriguez, the director, Kevin Williamson, the screenwriter, and Miramax the studio. This really does feel like the ultimate 1990s artifact. Yes. It does. It mm-hmm. does. And it is amusing slash sad yeah. to see the Miramax logo mm-hmm. and automatically think sex pest. Which brings us to 
Yeah. Danny Masterson, who is only briefly in this movie, does mm-hmm. not play any kind of significant role. I think he has two scenes. He's digitally edited out, actually. Yeah. <laughs> and he is in it. Mm-hmm. And just this past week, we we're recording on the 10th, so over a week ago now, he was sentenced to 30 years for a rape charge. I think and two, actually. Two, yes. two rape charges. Uh, and he'd had, I mean, obviously he was tried and convicted and mm-hmm. there had been a long string of allegations. And I think we are just saying this to acknowledge that that sucks. Mm-hmm. And that also I would say if anyone has any really intense feelings around that kind of thing and seeing him. Yeah. Like seeing him is triggering for you. Sorry, we mentioned him, but he will not be mentioned in the rest of the podcast. No. So, Dan, let us move on. Yes. I guess I'm the one who needs to move on. Right, exactly. Yeah. Until Scream was a big hit. Mm. So if you don't recognize those names, that is because they have done nothing else of note. I literally did not recognize a single title in Bruce Kimmel's IMDb. Wechner, or Wechter, was a director for some Penn & Teller episodes which remember they had a show i forgot and he's done some reality stuff and then scream happened Mm -hmm. and what i think happened is someone it maybe had a database maybe some assistant read it but someone was like wasn't there a horror movie set in a high school (laughs) and this came up and so someone was like hey wasn't there a horror movie set in a high school get me kevin williamson on the phone (laughs) let's do a rewrite And indeed, he did a rewrite. And as you pointed out, he is recognized in the IMDb as being the screenwriter. Right. Mm -hmm. Yes. But he was actually brought into Doctor. I imagine there was a WGA, WGA like arbitration Mm -hmm. thing. He was supposed to direct. It was going to be his feature uh, debut as Mm -hmm. a director. Hmm. He chose not to. Instead, he did Teaching Mrs. Tingle, which you and I probably, well... Do you remember it? I don't remember it. So... I want to say Katie Holmes was in it, but that's about the only thing I remember. Yeah. And it's sort of weird that this has had such durability because it wasn't a huge hit. Mm-hmm. And it it's sort of weird it's had the durability that's had because it wasn't a huge hit. And it was somewhat badly reviewed. Mm-hmm. Rotten Tomatoes rating is like in the 50s. Okay, that's become... weird because like I, I think you yeah. like this film a little better than I did. But I didn't hate this film. This is a, you know, there's a lot of decent things in this movie. And it's just weird that it would get that badly reviewed, I gotta say. And if you think about like the Scream knockoffs from the late 90s, I would put this up there with Scream as a rewatchable movie. It's definitely rewatchable. I think Scream is a much better film for a variety of reasons. But Oh, sure, sure, sure. But this is is not a bad film. Yes. Like, I know, like people love the craft. I don't love the craft. No one has seen Teaching Mrs. Tingle since 1999. But someone pointed this out in the Discord. It's true. There was like, like, there's a a boom. There was a boom. And there was another film called Disturbing Behavior, I think, with Katie Holmes, in fact. Yes, that. Which does have a plot that is similar in some ways to this. But I think, I honestly think this is a better film. If for no other reason, it's cast better. Because in that film, you had to buy James Mardson as like a stoner, <laughs> which I'm sorry, is the worst casting choice possible. You know, just whatever. Where is, let's see, Josh Hartnett as like a burnout it drug works. dealer. It, it works. I'm going to say one thing. This is a behind the scenes thing. Yeah. Uh, he did do his own hair. <laughs> wow. Okay. Makes sense. Like he, the reason why it looks so goofy is he did literally cut his own hair and it was apparently something of a controversial move. But- <laughs> 
he was like, this makes me look more like a burnout drug dealer. It was not filmed in Ohio. It was filmed in Texas, which mm-hmm. makes sense because of Robert Rodriguez. It has some Austin scenery. Scenery. It does have Austin scenery. Mm-hmm. It was filmed, like I said, partially in Austin, mostly in Lockhart, Texas. And I did the search. And the football field in particular, if you want to do some kind of weird <laughs> pilgrimage. Sure, yes. <laughs> All eight of you interested in this, listen up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The football field is exactly the same. Oh, that's cool. Uh, They built a new high school, which is good because one of the things that I liked about the movie, but is kind of unusual, is that that school looks fucking decrepit. Oh God, no! Like, (laughs) the the, can I like shout out to whoever did the set design for that teachers' lounge? And this part of me wonders: was it the actual teachers' lounge? Because that, like, I I felt the sadness come off the screen when I was watching those scenes in, in shot there. Yeah. So absolutely. Yeah. Agreed on so that. it was apparently obviously on its last legs mm-hmm. when this was filmed and they have a, the, the people of Lockhart knew something was wrong. Yep. Unlike <laughs> the people of this Ohio town who mm-hmm. did not realize something was wrong. I am not surprised by this either. Everyone says it was a great shoot. Mm. Robert Rodriguez, I think is somewhat well known for this, that he creates a good atmosphere for his actors mm. and everyone had a great time on it. Clea Duvall, who interestingly, a lesbian playing a straight person pretending to be a lesbian. Yes, that was interesting. Yes. <laughs> she was also going on to be a director herself, I would add. That is true. Mm-hmm. One thing that is something that I forgot and that made me laugh out loud when I re-found out Mm -hmm. is there was a placement and promotion deal, Dan, with Tommy Hilfiger. (laughs) With this cast, I'm unsurprised by that. Let's just put it that way. Yeah. And it's funny because you can kind of notice it because that logo, I recognize that logo on a couple people's, you know, Mm -hmm. shirt or whatever. And I was thinking, oh man, that's such a 90s thing. I think they dodged a bullet. If they had made this film five years later, it would have been Abercrombie and Fitch and that would not have aged nearly as well. Yeah. Uh, no, that would not have been good. If anyone hasn't seen the Abercrombie and Finch documentary, yeah, um, it's a it's a good one. Oh yeah, Jordana Brewster, who is great, mm-hmm. one of the many great cast members. She is also in Fast and Furious, uh, which came out obviously many years later. But in a looking back, like class reunion, or I should say, cast reunion retrospective, she said. It was sort of the inverse of Fast and Furious, right? So with the Fast and the Furious, I was like, this is a small movie about cars. It's a fun summer project. <laughs> Everyone's really good looking. <laughs> this is going to be fun. With the faculty, I was like, you guys, this is going to be huge. <laughs> Look at all these successes around us. Yeah. Like, she all that and Scream. And it was also with Dimension, right, which, which was doing really well. It had a good run. We yeah. thought it was going to be massive. We all thought we were going to be these huge teen stars and not be able to walk down the street. <laughs> <laughs> it didn't quite work out that way. But at the same time... I think it it did work out for everyone, just not with this film is the way... Right, right, right. That's true. Yeah. But at the same time, being on the set, it was my first time shooting a movie ever. And we were in Austin, Texas, and working with Robert Rodriguez and Salma Hayek. And Jon Stewart would test his material on us. (laughs) It was so much fun. I loved working on that film. So. And it has been reconsidered over the years. I, I read a bunch of different essays that were like, you know this is actually good, yeah. <laughs> which we agree. I don't, it's funny that I, I never would have thought of this for a schlock or awe episode because I never thought of it as schlock. I mean, it's, it's yeah. again, I, it's not the greatest thing ever, but it is a solid piece of entertainment and everyone is, is competent and or better as we will talk about in a little bit. 
I would say that's totally Robert Rodriguez. I think that yeah. something he's known for, in addition, I believe, to having like cool, fun sets where everyone has a good time and there's you know no drama, blood yeah. afterwards or drama, mm -hmm. he is an incredibly competent filmmaker. Yeah, like he just does the fucking job, right? <laughs> like he's done some really mainstream stuff, like the Spy Kids series, right? Which as a directorial piece of art like i don't know like whatever but he just it's solid and mm -hmm. i think that's what he delivers every time i think this is a little bit more than that yeah i'm gonna point out an exception to this because i had to go watch this with my child he did the okay. adventures of shark boy and lava girl which is a horrible oh. film it is a horrible film that he made for his okay. children which i get but i remember being very angry at him that i had spent that amount of money that i had to watch this film it was that bad but that said, I think that's an exception that proves the rule. I was going to say, I'm going to call yeah. that exception that proves the yeah, rule. Yeah, totally he's fair. A, and I, I actually feel I feel bad saying he's an incredibly competent director. I think he's good. And no, no, he's he good. brings yeah. his skill to most of his projects. Yeah. And this is not just good. I think the direction on this is actually... Yeah. A, I don't... Again, this all sounds like this all sounds like terrible pull, pull quotes, right? For, a, for a, <laughs> We really need to have a section this called is a, Honest Terrible average, Pull Quotes. <laughs> this is an above average film. This is a B-plus <laughs> film, everyone. This is pretty well directed. <laughs> <laughs> you showed an excellent effort, Robert Rodriguez. No, it's a good... <laughs> this is... This is all right. I think that the, the thing we should really say. And you know what? Like Stan, he earned his D. <laughs> we'll, we'll get to Stan in a little bit. But the way I would put it's it. It's more than a D. It's more than a D. You're right. It's like it's a BB plus. It's a BB plus. And I think we're in agreement that the thing that Robert Rodriguez has a really good. He brings out the best in his cast. And this is a fantastic cast. It, it's probably yeah. the best cast in, of a movie that we've watched in quite some time. So, yeah. You know what? Let's save this for the end. But yeah. I, I, after all we've said, part of me kind of wonders, why does it miss the A+. Because it has so many good elements. We can talk about that. Well, let's get, you know what? We got to get to the plot. Right. But first, let's get right, to Chekhov's right. What's It? This is the thing that appears very often in the first act of the film that winds up being somewhat relevant in the third act. Anna, what do you have? Well, Dan, there is a gun. <laughs> That's true. But... <laughs> weirdly it's not Chekhov's gun no like it doesn't you know it, it doesn't serve that function yeah I would say Chekhov's drugs ah fair enough yeah yeah Chekhov's scat yeah scat does it's, he call it scat? I think it's he calls it scat I could I kept looking for like when did he yeah. call it something but snort this shit literally he should have called it Bick I mean come on it's because it <laughs> honestly I did like the touch that you got it in pens F totally fair I'm going to use Chekhov's Mary Beth dialogue because Oh my God. Like I'd forgotten. I, I didn't notice this or she whatever. She tells on herself. Constantly. She tells on herself constantly, particularly in the first act. It's actually that, that makes the second watching of it very enjoyable. Cause it really is laugh out loud funny in terms of the dialogue. So that's fine. Yeah. All right. Let's get to the plot. We're Anna. going to the plot. We're going to do the, We're plot. Do the plot. Let's do the plot. All right. Let's start with act one. That's the way the high school crumbles. Welcome to Ohio's Harrington high school. It's the 1990s, which means that public schools are facing bloated athletic departments, budget cuts, and the bullying of suspected LGBTQ persons. Not like today's more enlightened world, Anna. <laughs> Anywho, the abusive football coach Willis becomes possessed by some alien entity. After a jury faculty meeting breaks up, Willis attacks Principal Drake. She fights him off, only to be stabbed by drama teacher Mrs. Olson. One thing I loved about that scene, yeah. by the way, mm -hmm. is that it does look like it's going to be sex stuff. Yeah. Right. Yep. Yeah. Yep. And yep. there is that's the tension at first, mm -hmm. and like the oh god no. Right. Right. And then it turns out just to be a metaphor for that. So. I know. And also, it was it was the first <laughs> time. I, 
it was almost like a Buffy fake out, but like it was way when Olsen stabs her, it's like, oh, okay, was not expecting that. It's a pleasant plot twist. I also, on second watch, didn't really understand why he did that. Like, why didn't he just go directly for the ear as they which gets to you're supposed to deliver it? I think gets to one of the reasons why when we talk about why this wasn't an A plus film. There's a oh, yeah. lot. There's okay. a fair number of those sorts of things going on. Okay. Anyway, the next day, the high school routine seemingly settles in. The traditional social hierarchy is respected, with the head cheerleader slash newspaper editor Delilah <laughs> dating star quarterback Stan. Zeke Tyler is a very intelligent but apathetic drug dealing student repeating his senior year. Stokely and Casey are in the school's untouchable cast. Southern Belle, Mary Beth Louise Hutchinson, is the newcomer. The teachers are mostly sick and beleaguered and or alcoholic, except for Coach Willis and Mrs. Olson, <laughs> who seem rejuvenated. Or drug addicts, like, the, like Salma Hayek. Yes, exactly. Except for Coach Willis and Mrs. Olson, who seem rejuvenated and thirsty as fuck, but not in the 21st century way. I'm not saying this movie was triggering or anything, but Casey's crush on Delilah did evoke some high school memories Aww. of my own. Yeah, which does beg the question, Anna, were you the editor of your school paper and or a head cheerleader? I don't think you were a head like, cheerleader, I, but you know, I don't was. I was not a head cheerleader. Yeah. And one of the interesting sort of a sliding door moments, perhaps, of my life is me not making the cheerleading squad. I did actually try out. Oh wow! I didn't know that. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. So then I just doubled down on being a nerd. I was like, <laughs> I was like, sliding door closed. Mm -hmm. Not an option. Nerd door open. Nerd. <laughs> nerd door open. So I was the co-editor of my high school paper with. <laughs> Again, this is to me hilarious in retrospect, but it was kind of funny at the time. There was another girl in my class who also had red hair, Molly Confer. Hi, Molly, if you're listening. <laughs> and she and I had like these weird parallel lives where we like were co everything, oh. co valedictorians. Oh, wow. And, yeah. And co. Were you whatever. friends, we frenemies, just straight out enemies? Like, how did it work? We were different enough in personality. Okay. that it was just weird it was just kind uh, of funny okay fair enough you know and it also traded off in a way that I, I maybe i don't know how she felt about it but it felt fair like it didn't felt feel like i was always second okay really. well that's good it was really like yeah. co yeah okay you know? that's and we good. didn't do that much the same like i'm trying to remember like she didn't almost all literary stuff and i was like on speech debate and she didn't do that hmm. and i did drama club and she didn't do that okay but she and i were co-editors of our high school paper the uh southeast clarion Ooh. Okay. oh dan though the year my junior year mm -hmm. i was also an editor at the paper mm -hmm. please guess what i was the editor of what section i was the editor of style i don't know dan it was sports <laughs> <laughs> you know what i mean you've grown up to Which live that as hilarious then as it is now <laughs> what happened was the teacher the you know sponsor of the paper came to me and was like i don't have anyone else that i really want to be a section editor oh <laughs> okay well that's good like the dudes that were mm -hmm. applying to be section editors she was kind of like i you know i, I want to i want a good section editor <laughs> And so she kind of pitched it to me and I thought of it as an anthropological experiment. And I, I covered football and swimming and, nice. <laughs> and, you know, it didn't, it didn't, I didn't have the thing which would happen in a movie, which is I fell in love with sports, but it was fun. So. Or fell in love with a, a jock. So, you know, that actually is the thing. That would happen. <laughs> oh yeah. That didn't happen yeah. at all. <laughs> uh, my first uh, boyfriend was a bass player in a punk rock band. So nice. a little bit on brand, but <laughs> 
I've nothing if on brand most of my life. Let's go to Act Two, Dan. All right, let's go to Act Two, a pretty bizarre series of events. Casey finds an odd creature on the football field and takes it to the science teacher, Mr. Furlong, who believes it is a new species that really likes water. <laughs> Casey subsequently hides in the teacher's lounge with Delilah in the hope of finding a good story. They get more than they bargained for, witnessing Coach Willis and Mrs. Olson forcing one of the parasites into the ear of the school nurse. They also find the deceased body of another older teacher, Mrs. Brummel, who had previously scared Stan half to death in the boys' shower room. And not in a creepy way. Casey and Delilah. Although, again, it kind of starts out in this weird, like, perhaps this is going to be... Icky sex thing, yes. Icky sex thing. But it's not. Uh, a non-consensual sex thing. But then he just, you know, takes half of her scalp off. She takes so. it off. Or, yeah, they both do. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's a, I will say, that was the most disgusting scene. Or, like, that was actually, like... For body horror types. That's the VFX one. have held up very well for that yeah, scene. Yeah, exactly. Not so much some of the other stuff. True. That scene, yes. Casey and Delilah flee the faculty lounge. Casey calls the police, but by the time the cops arrive, there's no evidence and a very much alive Principal Drake. By the next day, things at the school have gotten stranger. The leading students are being called into the office and afterwards seem a little bit robotic. The formerly mousy Miss Burke cusses out Zeke. No, no, no. It again, it's this weird undertone of non-consensual sex. Oh, oh, like, it's yeah, this yeah. weird, like, this happens throughout the movie, which on rewatch and because we live in the time we yeah, live yeah. in now, like, is really apparent and makes the stuff kind of extra creepy. Yeah. Like, because you, you, there's this weird sexual tension. Well, with Zeke and Miss Burke in particular, this is the, this is the one plot line that is aged yeah, super poorly, yeah. very poorly, because Zeke is hitting on Miss Burke. And by the way, Props to Famke Johnson because she, the way she acts in that scene does hold up incredibly well because she's grossed out. She, yeah. Like that's disgusting. She's, again, performances, she right. gets good performances. Then she becomes like the pod person version of Miss Burke. And then there's the scene where she like, you know, just screams at Zeke. And again, you're right. But there's psychosexually like psychosexual. Psycho yeah, it's a bizarre <laughs> psychosexual scene. It, it gets worse. It's going to get worse later. But yeah. yes, that's fair. Yeah. Okay. So Casey becomes convinced that the teachers are being taken over by aliens. He tries to persuade Delilah, Stokely, and Stan by showing them the creature he found the day before, but it's not in Mr. Furlong's classroom anymore. Zeke and Marybeth overhear Casey and tease him. Mr. Furlong enters the room, and when he hears Casey's theory, he locks the doors and tries to infect all of them. Zeke uses a paper-cutting blade to chop off his fingers, which now have a life of their own. Fantastic scene. Yes, yes. You have to. The, the oh, paper-cutting yeah. thing as machete. Yeah. We've done. Badass. I'm going to point out twice in a month we've had the paper cutting machine as a blade. It was in Megan as well. Oh, that's right. They did it first. Well, the faculty obviously did it first. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, anyway, oh, yeah. the movie we we're discussing now yes. did it first. Anyway, Zeke injects his homemade pen drug into Furlong's eye, seemingly killing him. Anna, I did forget how meta this film was about its science fiction. Beyond the obvious shout out to Invasion of the Body Snatchers, there are multiple Robert Heinlein references. Multiple film directors, even a Roland Emmerich shout out. I guess my question is too meta, not meta enough, or just meta right? It is strange that the meta is what feels dated. Yeah, it, it, but like I think it's too meta. There's just no other way to put it. And I suspect this is the thing that Williamson added to the script, by the way. Because I remember this because during part of it, I was in grad school. Like. <laughs> <laughs> Mm -hmm. During part of the late 90s pop culture obsession with meta referencing, mm -hmm. I was doing grad, grad school, school meta, which is in, <laughs> grad school is nothing but meta stuff, Anna. I mean, let's be and honest. And doing it in American studies yeah. where like 
it, that's the whole game. Mm-hmm. So that's what seems dated. I did LOL at the reference to friend of the pod, Emmerich. Mm-hmm. Like, same. I'd forgotten. Because also, I don't feel like he is in the same category as like everyone knows. I guess everyone don't knows Roland Emmerich. I guess it would work. No, but like they mentioned, like it's weird. Like they mentioned Spielberg and then he says Barry Sonnenfeld. Again, like a fair reference. Right. And I'm like, does anyone besides like people who are kind of film junkies, like Barry Sonnenfeld? Oh, he had well, Men in Black was huge. He'd done Men in Black, which is fine. And again, Roland Emmerich by this point had done Independence Day. So, but it, it's, it's, it, but it, it feels like an in joke. It, that's yeah. what I'll, that's, that's, that's the distinction and why we're kind of like raising an eyebrow yeah. at that is because it doesn't feel like a reference targeted at your intended viewer. Agreed. It feels yeah. like a reference targeted at a certain subset of the viewers. Mm-hmm. And that's what feels weird. Yeah. No, no, I agree. And it's not an Easter egg because now we have Easter eggs. No, no, it's not that. That's not it. Yeah. The most obvious homage, and I can't believe you didn't mention it, is the thing. Huh. The head. Yeah, you're right. Across. Oh, that's right. With Fonka Johnson. Yes, that's true. I didn't. That registered when I when I watch it. But, you know. And when they do the who's human. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, segment. that's correct. Yep. The, fair enough. The thing I will note, though, about the thing is that. This is where the, the the FX have not aged well. The scene with the head walking away, not nearly as good as Carpenter's thing, which is just incredible. I don't know if they've ever topped that, but yeah. And the big bug also not super scary no. or realistic. It just doesn't age well. No. I, I think the only reason this film holds up the degree it does, you know, has nothing to do with the VFX. That's, that's No, it's the cast. Yeah, it's the cast and yeah. the, the, the plot. All right, let's get to act three. Just say yes to drugs. Casey collects a sample alien that's scurried away from Mr. Furlong, and the six students hightail it out of the school back to Zeke's place with its underground Breaking Bad set. <laughs> <laughs> Why does he have rats, Dan? That, okay, that made no sense. I just Why want to point it out. Like, the only reason you're going to have a rat in that insta- <laughs> instance is presumably to test out stuff on the rat, but he seems way too bonded to that rat for that to be yeah, the case. it's either an experimental subject or a best friend, and... Let me put it this he right. uses it as an experimental subject. And what else would he use it on? He's not testing his drugs out. Right. So I, again, you're, to go back to your question of why isn't this an A-plus movie, that's one of those things where the details are yeah. sloppy and it, it doesn't rise to the level of an A-plus. You know, perfectly fine, but like not A-plus. Anyway, Zeke runs some tests on said lab rat and concludes that the alien is a parasite that is part of a- <laughs> This is also another problem. Yeah. <laughs> Part of a hive mind and needs water to survive. Because Zeke's drug is mostly caffeine, a diuretic, the aliens don't like it. Zeke then points out that any of them could be an alien and insists that everyone tweak the drug to prove their bona fides. They all seemingly pass, except Delilah, who escapes after destroying most of Zeke's lab. Stokely theorizes that like an invasion of the body snatchers, if they kill the queen, they can kill all the parasites. Believing the queen to be Principal Drake, they head back to the school where everyone is attending the Friday night game and infecting the other team in the worst shot football game <laughs> I have ever seen on print. Like, okay, we got to talk about. Should the football we wait game. to discuss that, or let's just okay, let's, let's do. It let's get to the football so, game now. That is a horribly okay. whoever shot that does not understand football, but you you convince me otherwise. So my theory, yeah, based on being someone who went to a lot of Friday night high school football games. Fair enough. And walked away hating football. (laughs) (laughs) Which is impressive because you love football now. I know. Like right now, like I'm going to be missing some NFL games and I'm a little bummed out. And we have like the Space the Nation Fantasy Football League, which I want to talk a little bit more about, but maybe this is the place to do it. Dan, we have divisions, of course. Okay. 
in the fantasy football league. Yeah. The division names are mm-hmm. Adorno. <laughs> that is the lead, that is the division I'm in. Yeah. Avasarala. Oh, nice. Okay, good. And then we have a, a division called Antarctica, which I can't remember. Like, there's some reason <laughs> why people in the Discord associate like our podcast with Antarctica. With Antarctica? I, it, maybe it's because of the John Carpenter thing or the cold sci-fi winter. Do, do you know, I mean, do, do you know much about Antarctica? You know, Anna, I've been to Antarctica. Have I mentioned that <laughs> before? I'm not sure that I have, but I have been to Antarctica. So yes. That could and, be. and you know, divorced dad, you'll be very proud to know that the prize that we're playing for mm-hmm. is the Dresner cup. <laughs> oh, I am touched actually. That's great. <laughs> Aw, that's wonderful. Okay, how do you get to this game? How do you get to this game? Back to this football game, yeah. So go ahead. So the the realistic part is the fanaticism. Yes, right? absolutely, like, right. That is, people who haven't seen it before, that is completely on point. Sure. Like the nutty, you know, like out of kind of body, out of body experience that people have mm-hmm. at a high school football game in Texas. Right, on the money. What is weird is the game itself. Yeah, the game itself <laughs> makes no sense. Like the very first play you see is the opposite team having a running play of, I'm pretty sure at least more than 20 yards. Then he gets gang tackled and the coach seems utterly pleased with that, which of course makes no sense. The thing that left out at me is that I don't know if Usher is supposed to be the quarterback or not, but he, he does a tackle. <laughs> you know, no, it, that's worse. He doesn't do a tackle. He clotheslines the guy. It's an obvious yeah, penalty. That's right, that's right. Like obvious penalty, okay. but they're all treating it as the greatest thing ever. Yeah, so, he yeah. may not be the QB. He is taking Stan's place. I think he was taking, it may not be for, I think he was taking Stan's place as captain. I don't think he was taking. Anyway, the it's just mayhem on the field, yeah. which is n- not true to life. Right. I mean, the only thing, football, the one thing that credit, they, they do to, to play football. The, the thing I will say, <laughs> the thing that holds up is Robert Patrick's creepy as fuck smile the entire yeah. time this sequence is going on. Yeah. Like, and he's like high fiving yeah. his players and so forth. It, it, it's an it's a great performance. That that's the way so I put that. What I would say is that if you're objecting to the the violence, that's actually no. accurate. That's I'm not objecting like, to the violence. No, I would say that, that that's the dream of a Texas high school football player is to be able to close line. Right. And I think that the violence is over the top because it's a commentary. I don't think it's he's trying to make it look like a typical football game. Fair I enough. I think that he's he's metastasizing <laughs> all of the stuff that could happen and the craziness of that environment. That's my theory. Maybe that's giving him too much credit. But as a Texan, mm-hmm. Rodriguez knows how to play the game okay you would think but let me put it this way then maybe i i don't mean to second guess rodriguez but the way i would have shot it then would have been like the first scene instead of having the runner gain 15 yards have them sack the quarterback that makes much more sense as a football play and would would still have the kind of carnage that you'd want to show in that scene yeah and i may giving it maybe giving it too much credit because i think the consistent thing that we are talking about that keeps it from being a great movie is it's inconsistent yes exactly like yeah what we both love in movies <laughs> is when a director or screenwriter or uh, movie makers in general have a fidelity to the world that they've created right and have thought through details yeah. and this movie doesn't good have as that. it is yeah does not have thoughtful details. This might be the case where it's like, it's a two- Except for like the teacher slash. There's a few places where like the details are great. Right, absolutely. But there's, I think this might be a case where it's a too many cooks problem where you have 
you know, Kevin Williamson contributing the script, that's great. And like Robert Rodriguez is clearly sort of a director for hire in this. And he does, as you say, he does a competent job, but this isn't like Desperado or this isn't like Planet Terror or something where he, he cares so much that he does try to get the details right as, as much as possible. And I think that's where it occasionally falls apart. All right. Anyway, they get Principal Drake alone in the gym and Zeke shoots her, but oops, she's not the queen. Suspicion turns to Coach Willis. Stan volunteers to confront him in the rain on the football field. <laughs> Stan I love the character of Stan. I love the character of Stan. I really do. Because I think it's hilarious that they do this thing. And we should, I, we, I don't know if we made clear for people that haven't seen it, but these things need water, right? Yeah. So that's the, why the rain right. thing, yeah. we, I guess we did make it clear. They need water. So that's why taking it on in the rain seems so insane. Right. But I love, I love that Stan decides to give up football, which is unrealistic. <laughs> right. Although kind of noble, yes. right? Yeah. He wants to concentrate on his studies and they don't make him a genius. No, that's... <laughs> And that's fair. You're right. It was because, again, it's awesome. Stepping back. Yes. Noble, but really stupid decision, much like his decision to confront Coach Willis. And he's not that bright or or he's not like a genius because like in a in a in movie logic, what would happen is he gives up his place on the team and then becomes like valedictorian. Right. His brain suddenly goes. He he turns out to have like this unknown up till then. He starts exercising his brain. Yeah. But instead, it's just like. He just he wants to he wants to be a good student, and that's you're saying you can see <laughs> why Stokely is so into him, and not in fact the lesbian. So yes. fair enough. Yes. Okay. Stan returns to the school and begs them to let him back in, but when Zeke refuses unless he tweaks, Stan comes out as an alien too. Anna, one thing I did find amusing about the theories about the alien hierarchy was how they defaulted to the idea that the leader had to be a queen, like you know sometimes how. In other films, like it's like, oh, we're going to go to this professional, a doctor, a lawyer, and you're you're setting up the audience to assume that it's a man, and, and it's suddenly a, a surprise or something like that. But in this case, it's like, oh no, totally a queen. And so that was just interesting in terms of sort of default assumption to the feminine rather than the masculine. I'll, that's I'll leave it at that. I think that's because in the shorthand of the movies of this era, mm-hmm. and indeed, I think going back a while, this particular style of alien. Mm-hmm. When they infect, is like an alien the, queen, like from from the alien, an alien films. Queen. Yeah, yeah. And so I think that's why they default to that. Although it would have been funny for them to reference why they default to that. Exactly. That actually uh, would have been a point where I would have liked to have seen a little meta conversation. I think would be the way to put and, it. And you know, the vagina dentata. Oh, like, <laughs> and also, you know, laying eggs, all that stuff. Yeah. I yeah. mean, there. I did read an essay that talked about this movie. It could have been something I wrote in grad school because it <laughs> talked about this movie as fear of the feminine, of course. Oh, sure. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Right. Yeah. And you know what? I mean, our culture is scared of the feminine. So that's kind of not, I don't think that's necessarily a brilliant analysis, but that doesn't matter. Let's move because... on. He said nervously. No. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I do take your point on this. Let's go. Okay. Let's close out the plot. Act four, Parasite Lost. Needing more of the drug for defense, Zeke and Casey sneak around the parking lot to get to Zeke's car, with Casey providing a diversion. Alien-infested Delilah and Miss Burke try to seduce them into joining the pod people. It doesn't work, and they barely make it back into the school. Meanwhile, Maribeth offers up the big reveal to Stokely. She's been the queen all along, and fake taking the drugs back in Zeke's basement. She urges Stokely to stop being such a loser and join the mob. 
Casey and Stokely flee to the swimming pool where Stokely is injured and becomes <laughs> infected. The swimming pool. Yeah. I mean, I guess they, they don't make it that they were dumb to do that. It's just where it happened. The thing I did keep wondering was like, wouldn't the chlorine hurt the alien? But yeah, obviously, whatever. Yeah, yeah. Zeke and Casey hide in the locker room where Mary Beth reverts to her naked human form. She exposits that she came to Earth because her watery planet was drying up. She then transforms back into her alien form and knocks out Zeke. Casey takes Zeke's last drug and heads back to the gym. With the alien queen pursuing him, Casey traps her behind the retracting bleachers and stabs the drug into the queen's eye. That does the trick. I loved that scene, and I still think that that's kind of brilliant. <laughs> what what is the what is the 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 punchline? The like the one ready to jack you up. What or, he says, yeah, he's like you know, guaranteed to jack you up or something. I think the great punchline though for that scene, although it, I think it's sort of problematic for reasons I'll go into later, yeah. is when Casey when she's expositing about how lonely all of them are right. and how yeah. afraid of their lives and how unsatisfying it must be to be an outsider. Mm -hmm. He says, I'd rather be afraid. Yeah. And that, I like that. Yeah, that's good. I like that. In the aftermath, social stations are modestly scrambled. Stan and Stokely appear intent on living out the ending to the breakfast club. Zeke is now on the football team and completely inappropriately flirting with Miss Burke, who is inappropriately flirting back, I'm going to add. And Hero Casey is now, of course, dating Delilah. Anna, I enjoyed the film, but there is a part of me that still thinks it's kind of a cheap ripoff of Jack Finney's Invasion of the Body Snatchers, which is in turn a ripoff of Robert Heinlein. The thing is, is that I'm not entirely sure this version of the plot makes sense. I don't know why the Queen is supposed to be like befriending the school's outcasts. Why would a water-reliant species decide to land in Ohio? I have many questions is all I'm saying. On As we've been saying, mm -hmm. the major flaw of this movie, for some reason, is not Jon Stewart's acting. <laughs> in a more carefully made movie, mm -hmm. it might be. Yeah. But in this movie, there is a level of carelessness mm -hmm. that especially on second watch is really hard to ignore. Right. I think on first watch it's the kind of thing that you might not consciously pick up on. No, it's a legitimately great plot twist on the first watch. Like I, I, you know, again, was not expecting it and, you know, totally fine with it, but yeah, the second watch. But it's some of these details that don't make sense right. that when you're in the thick of it, like when you're just watching for enjoyment, mm -hmm. like you may not stop and it, it won't give you a second, you know, yeah. won't give you a second thought. Like you'll be like, okay, like you just, you're just going along with it. Cause it's a fun movie. Mm -hmm. I don't think Mary Beth focusing on the out crowd is however, one of those inconsistencies because hmm. she exposits why she took pity on them. I guess. I mean, that's in her monologue. She yeah. says, the planet dries up. So I escaped and came here and I met you, all of you, and you were different from the others. You were lost and lonely, just like me. And I thought that maybe I could give you a taste of my world. So I think that that's why she chose them, because she actually is being, in her mind, generous. Like she's offering them a gift, which is, if they had explored this just a little more, would be so interesting. I right? think that's the problem. The problem is you're right. By the, the logic of the exposition, that is an argument. It's just that it doesn't really gel with everything we've watched up till that point. And so, I, it, again, the film needed 
I hate to say this because I think Kevin Williamson is a great screenwriter. It needed another draft, I guess, or th- th- that's what I'm, I guess I'm saying. So I guess what I'm saying is that particular part of the plot is actually very intriguing to me. Mm-hmm. The idea that this joining this hive mind is a gift. Other movies have done the similar thing. It wouldn't be original, right. but it would be interesting. Yeah. And I'll just say they really should have landed in St. Paul. <laughs> Josh Hartnett's hometown. <laughs> and, you know, it is the land of 10,000 lakes, correct? I mean, you know, that That's probably right. would have been good. That's right. Fair enough. All right. Well, Dan, I have a question. Oh, well, you know. This is a school setting, so go ahead. I didn't raise my hand. I'm sorry, but yeah, you did. Yeah, is there IR in this movie? You know, Anna, I'm the authority figure here. It's time you realized that. <laughs> <laughs> that might be one of my favorite lead-ins that we have ever done, or you have ever done. By the way, again. Props to Fabke Johnson, who gives that line reading, like, just it, so many layers. Yeah. I hereby declare that there is IR in this film. You know what drives actors in a world of anarchy, Anna? It's fear and insecurity. And you know what drives high school students in a hormone-infused setting? Well, lust, t- to be clear, but also fear and insecurity. And that's why the pod notion, I think, is so attractive in general, and it's, you know, you've, you've cited this before, but Mary Beth's pitch at the end, the, the compelling aspect of it is the notion of what if we could eliminate all your fear and all your insecurity? Instead of an anarchic environment, there could be a single unitary actor with a well-defined purpose. In some ways, it's, it's the same compelling logic the Borg make in the Star Trek shows and so on and so forth. And it's therefore little wonder that so much of the school is taken over before there's any you know, attempt at a counterattack of any kind whatsoever. So fair enough. And also, let's be blunt. The teachers are clearly much better off as pod people <laughs> than they were before. I mean, it, it is striking how, like, and again, this is, a, this is a quality aspect of the film. The ways in which all of the teachers just look utterly bedraggled prior to becoming pod people. And then when they become pod people, they're all the their best versions of themselves. Well... I mean, well, you know what I mean, but like they have more energy. (laughs) Yes, they're more goal directed. Let's put it that way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. But similarly, by the way, highly centralized systems are also uniquely vulnerable. With decentralized systems, attacks can take down part of the group, but not all of it. That's the whole point of decentralization. And to be fair, centralized systems are, in theory, impervious to attacks on the periphery. So if if you're a centralized system and there's an aspect of the periphery that's taken out, that's not that big of a deal. But if you kill the central node in a centralized system, you destroy the system. Hence why this plot could occur the way it did, where once Mary Beth died. And by the way, just a shout out to those bleachers, because like I've been in a high school in quite some time for valid reasons. But like I, I will say I did flash back when I saw those those wooden bleachers, the things that retract. I, do they even make those anymore? Like, I wonder if that's a recurring They're terrifying. feature. That is like yeah. one of my favorite parts of the movie. And I yeah, remember liking yeah, yeah. it back then too. I was like, that's yeah. a really good use of that death trap. <laughs> exactly. Yes. Like I, re- I remember at the time thinking, boy, I do not want to get stuck down there. And so, yes, that was, it, it absolutely uh, worked. It. So that point being that that is how the centralized system would be taken down. All right. Thanks, Dan. No problem, Anna. But you know what? This is an interactive seminar. So I have a question for you. What is it, Dan? Is there a critique of capitalism in this film? Dan, it must really blow being you. (laughs) (laughs) Which 
to be clear, is a quote from the movie. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know. know. But it also really blows being me. Mm. Because this movie has a pretty serious critique of capitalism, and it's a real bummer. Yeah. It'll bum you out. I'm, I'm quoting a little bit here from an AV Club article that I really liked that I found. The Faculty is the bleakest and most subversive film of the 90s studio teen horror cycle. I, I think that is correct. <laughs> the first part about it that I don't think is necessarily bleak is that it's pro-drugs. <laughs> yes. Which is, I like this way, even in the late 90s, that's an unusual, it's an unusual feature of, the, the, of that genre at that point. Yeah. Say. And then... I think the other part of that, that the AV club at first doesn't really get into, except, well, I'll put it this way. One of the ways of looking at this movie, especially if you consider the coda, is that even being a quote unquote outsider, mm-hmm. you are actually part of the framework. Right? I think the coda is the bleakest part of the film, too. actually. I, I, let me, yeah. I, I want to say more about it in a second. That even if you're a so-called outsider, right? Like mm-hmm. you are still part of the framework of the system. And I would say you're part of capitalism. Like you may think you're a rebel, but really like. Really you're Ali Sheedy at the end of the breakfast club. Really? You're, you're, and even if you play at the rebel, like you're still mm-hmm. conforming to the system that we have. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And high school is a microcosm of that. And I think actually <laughs> the Tommy Hilfiger tie-in is. <laughs> really the best example of, of how this works in, in not in the obviously in the world of the movie but kind of in our world the burnouts and outsiders of the movie are you being used to sell a product right <laughs> yes, it, yes it is they don't just take the popular kids like it's not just delilah that models for hilfiger right it's not just it's delilah and usher yeah. it is right. everyone the outsiders included and that gave me a little bit of a flashback to the late 90s when this was an active discussion among all my friends is like, what does it mean to sell out? And if you sell out, <laughs> I mean, I know it sounds ridiculous, but like, what does no, it no, mean? No, no, no. And are you still like, are you still able to critique a system if you are, if part, you are of part of that system? Now, yeah. older and wiser. Yes. <laughs> like, it's not even. <laughs> the answer to that is yes, is by yes. the way. Yes. <laughs> It didn't feel that way as like, you know, in my late teens and early 20s, it felt like a really important question to be asking is like, is Mm -hmm. dissent, once dissent is commodified, is it still dissent? And I guess my feeling on that is it can be. I mean, it is neutered a bit. Yeah, 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 yeah. But it's really, it's a really depressing thought. And in this case, you don't even get a good pavement album out of it <laughs> but the thing i want to say about the coda that i had never thought about before mm-hmm. is i think there's a reading in this film that the coda is actually proof that the aliens won okay go on let me and hear i it. think you could even read it as it's in the movie like yes they may have killed mary beth but somehow there are a they are aliens they are pod people mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. within the world of the movie. And even if they aren't pod people within the world of the movie, they become the high school equivalent of pod mm-hmm. people. Okay. What's your logic on this? I'm, well, I'm persu- they I, went I can from be persuaded. sort of gleefully or not so gleefully, sometimes with misery, rejecting the hierarchy or what they thought they were doing was rejecting the hierarchies of, mm-hmm. of high school to completely accepting them. And in fact, <laughs> using them. Right. 
like mm. they're like okay yeah we are they t they they accept mary beth's invitation metaphorically mm -hmm. no they, all of the all of the characters it uh, the other five act characters are all in somewhat better more secure stations than they were before but nothing is actually fundamentally changed and they are just part of the problem now they they've gone yeah, from even yeah. like the appearance of rejecting or being cut off from to just completely participating and mm -hmm. if you reread Mary Beth's monologue, <laughs> again, you can read it as this is all the, this has been part of the plan. Yeah. She says, yeah. mm -hmm. a world without anger, without fear, without attitude, where the underachiever goes home at night to parents who care. The jock mm. can be smart, the ugly duckling beautiful, and the class <laughs> wuss doesn't have to live in terror. And th that's all, all of those yeah. things happen. All of those things happen. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> So, God, Mary Beth's dialogue really was like, you know. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And part of me wants to believe that this is actually the deliberate read of this. And I, I think if I ever interview Robert Rodriguez, I'm going to ask him. I think, Here's, I think this is a read of this that may be intentional. Because otherwise, Zeke joining the football team is like <laughs> the thing that makes me think it's fake. Or somehow... Un, you know, undermining the entire movie that's gone. Before. No, for me, it's the last shot where, you know, it's, it's, you see Delilah and Casey, you know, saying, you know, the, the news media is coming over and canoodling oh. and like, you know, has anything really changed? I think, or something like that at the, yeah. is the last thing. And right after he says that, oh. you see the same kids taking a different kid and about to hit him within the flagpole. And like that was Casey at the beginning of the movie, but the implication of that shot has to be Rodriguez is too good of a filmmaker not yeah. to, to consciously do this. The implication is, yeah, the person has changed. The structure remains the same. Yeah. That's that. I think that that's the only way you can interpret that. Sequence. And that's fucking depressing. I think it's accurate, yeah. but depressing again, sucks yeah. to be me. Sucks to be you blows. <laughs> I believe what movie has the like, can you suck and blow at the same time? Is it possible? for something <laughs> to suck and blow? Oh yeah. Possible? So what I can't remember which one that is. Yes. Yeah. That, sounds, that sounds like something like from Clerks or something. But I, I was going to say it sounds like it could, it's not Breakfast Club. I might it might be Sixteen Candles. Ooh, that could be it. Yeah, that could be. All it. right. I don't know. Features oh. closing. Clank 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 clank. It's time for discordant notes. This is a segment where we take questions from our patrons on the Discord and answer them in the podcast. It's frankly been a couple of weeks since we've done this because for a variety of reasons in August, we recorded a whole bunch of things in advance and, you know, it was sort of tough for people to, to stay that far ahead, but we can do it now. So Dan Brennan asks, which 90s high school would you like to attend? The one from Scream, The Craft, or The Faculty? And my answer is, is Buffy off the table? <laughs> Buffy would be like... Both in terms of costuming and in terms of characters, I would. Oh, Buffy is always the first. Yeah, I, but, I, I think I'd go with Buffy. If not Buffy, I guess body count is lowest in the craft. I think body. Well, I think it's lowest here actually. I, oh, I, it, it is in terms. If you don't think of the alien, they yeah they exactly. come back to life. Although that actually bothered me. Like, does Mrs. Burke had her head cut off? Mrs. Burke had her head cut off. <laughs> Right, but the implication was that the alien was going to take the head and put it back on again. Okay, but, all but right. Yes, all right. It's, a, it's a. But I grant you. That. Let me put it this way: I will say this as a boy. I'm going to say the faculty because my memory of the craft was the the boys in that film did not always. You know, it didn't it didn't go well for them. Let's just leave it at that. Okay. 
Yeah, yep. I just, I never really liked that movie. Maybe I should give it another chance. We might need to add that, like, wait, wait, wait. We, I, I think... I think your genius idea here is that every September, we if we do a back to school thing, there's going to be more opportunities to do these sorts of yeah. films. So you know yeah. maybe we'll do the craft. All right. Brian Hawkins asks, how should we rank this compared to Rodriguez's and Williamson's Uva? We sort of answered this question. Yeah, but I, I think the I, I think it doesn't stack high on either of them. They've both done better work, which, by the way, is not an insult to this to the faculty, it's more a compliment to Rodriguez and Williamson because they've both done some really great stuff. I just don't think this quite rises to that level. Yeah, I'm actually, so I'm looking at Williamson's filmography and it's not like he's done a ton of stuff that it's, I mean, Scream is might be the best Scream, although I've heard that the most recent one is good, but. Has he done all of them? Oh, you know what he did that I'm going to say might be underrated? This is definitely not his best, right? Yeah, but no, no, that, I think we can agree on that, yeah. I think that what he did that might be really good is, do you remember the following TV show with Kevin Bacon? Oh, wait, was that the one about the serial killer? Yeah. Or like, yeah, 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 yeah. He did that. And that actually, oh, okay. I, wanted, I might rewatch that because it, it came up, <laughs> we were doing Under the Dome episode. Got a lot of came, a lot of things came up. <laughs> wow, that that was quite a productive episode. It was, I it was say. like yeah. I mean, like a lot of the Stephen King episodes I do. A lot of the like a lot of episodes for the Stephen King podcast. The episodes are like three hours long, so a lot came <laughs> up. And I remember really liking it, although I can't remember much about it besides it was serial killer. But I remember really mm-hmm. liking it. So and then Rodriguez, yeah, this is not. This is like high mid. Yeah, you know, it's. It, I would say it might actually be the median or like, you know, a little below average for him, which again, I'm not, I enjoyed this film. It's just that like, you know, there's Rod, there's other Rodriguez that like, you know, the ones, the, the, the Sin City films I enjoyed much more and, you know, you know Desperado and so forth. what it reminds me is that there is a category of film. We love the films where someone has a message they want to tell. Like that's, I, right. I think our favorite genre of, yeah. of, of especially genre movies right it's our favorite mm-hmm. category of genre movies is like when the creators like have a thing they want to tell you or they want to mm-hmm. create and it can go big budget low budget but it often makes it for a, at least a good bad movie if not an actual good movie and this movie has no passion behind it yeah and i think again that's it's sort of the nature of weirdly it's a great combination of things but but because there's no singular voice doing it it's good it's not great i think yeah. that's the way you have to sort of think about it Oh. oh, it's raining. Or like aliens or something. I don't know. Ah, aliens. <laughs> uh, breaking things. I don't know. Splat. Splat. <laughs> I feel like we should have more splats in our We should have field. more splats. Okay. Dan, what do you got? Okay, a couple small things. You know, among the things that this, like, again, I think I'm in retrospect surprised by how well this film is mostly aged. I mean, the Zeke, Miss Burke flirtation, No. The other thing that did not age very well, and I actually, like, I'm not even, I think I was, wasn't was crazy about it when I first watched it, was one of the signs that the students are becoming pod people was the violent couple. Like, you remember, like, there was the couple that was, like, hitting each other constantly. Yeah. And then, like, you see one of them suddenly become passive, and then they're, they're all lovey-dovey. And, you know, it's a nice short storytelling shortcut, but, like, it, the whole idea of the, the couple being abusive towards each other, I wasn't crazy about what I noticed on my rewatch is actually some interesting stuff that makes me like the movie a little bit better. Mm-hmm. Easter eggy type things. Yeah. 
there's all the well not even very subtle but there's the feeling pretty alien myself today like mm-hmm. what kind of human being would i be if i did that yeah there's lots of lines that kind of set up what's going on that are again not super subtle but work mm-hmm. yeah one of my favorite lines that i have to believe is intentional mm-hmm. that i think is a reference looked like you picked the right week to leave football which sounds like I picked the wrong week to stop sniffing glue. Sniffing glue, yeah, it sounds like yeah. airplanes. Yeah, so yeah. I think I think that's an intentional airplane reference. Mm-hmm. So I think some of the references are kind of clever. We talked about the Emmerich one. There's a Nev Campbell reference. It is oh, interesting right. to me how they stand out in a way that is dated. Like, yeah, we have we're in the Easter egg era and in the not in the meta reference mm-hmm. era. I think part of it also is it's Williamson telling on himself. Like, yeah, there's that saying where he talks about Jennifer Love Hewitt and Nev Campbell. And like, you know, this is after I know what you did last summer and, and Scream have come out. So I assume that's him doing that. Uh, speaking of th- like little joke in-jokes that I actually liked or an Easter egg that I liked, did you notice how once Stan becomes an alien and then like the next scene is Casey and Zeke deciding to go out, when you see the football players like chasing them, Stan is already back in his football uniform. Oh, <laughs> Yeah, like unrealistic, but funny. Unrealistic, but like that was when I was like, okay, that's just funny. That was that was legit funny. You know, we don't actually actually don't have as much as I thought I did. I still don't get why he stabs Mrs. Drake when really all he needed to do was put an alien in her ear. So that's that's funny. I did. I do have on here is Josh Hartnett's hair supposed to be dumb, and it was that. (laughs) My research showed me that actually was supposed to be dumb. I have a few other things. First of all, again, we were talking about how Robert Rodriguez does a good job with his actors. I think the best example of this is John Stewart gives a credible performance in this yeah. film. He is not a good actor. Let's just be blunt about this. And he's talked about that. Yeah. And he's admitted that. He is fine in this film. Like, he holds his own. And also, like, I I have to wonder if John Stewart talked him into this. Did you watch the credits scene? Like, the, when the credits are played, the, funny, the, the biggest laugh line this film has for me is you see John Stewart where he's got one arm, like he's got an eye patch and a hook for a hand and like trying to eat a donut or something. It's just, it's a, it, it almost feels like a daily show bit that preceded the daily show, but it's very, it, it was actually a funny end. Which also, but it's, it's, it shows the inconsistency of the movie because right. other people get healed from the wounds that they. Exactly. Yeah. It makes no sense. But, but that said, that was a laugh. I was willing to go along. I have I have only two other things on Do you have anything else? I have one something, which is okay. It's interesting that you point out the couple that stops being violent because there is a reference at the very beginning that I think explains actually like the weird sexualness and some of what actually looks like increased violence among the students. Right, Bibi Newer's character, Principal Drake, says something when she's a pod person. Says something to one of the other pod new pod people. Something about the atmosphere there screws with their neurosystem that they are more susceptible to urges oh in the human body Mm, interesting that is a a unique place of them explaining something yes (laughs) i need a little more of that or a little uh, you know done more artfully i have one more thing okay i've got two more things so one again i laughed at this delilah's disguise when like the when, when, like, when, 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 yeah, she's like, it was like, was this an obvious ripoff of she's all that? Like, I'll dress like the, ca- the main character and she's all that. It was, I love the idea that her disguise was, I'm going to dress down. That was just very funny. There were too many goatees in this movie. <laughs> 
it was the 90s, Anna. I know. But it was the 90s. Is, which does have. No, that leads to my last point. Whatever you think of this film, the cast is amazing. Yeah. Like, this is just an all-star cast. Christopher McDonald, speaking of goatees, has, like, a bit role as, you know, Elijah Wood's father. And, like, seems like he's a malevolent presence, even though he's barely, like, barely on the screen. And he only has one good line. But, you know, like, the fact that he was in that role is is stunning. And also, just a shout-out to Daniel Von Bargen, who is a... He's the character actor who who plays the sort of alcoholic teacher. And, you know, you you, you don't know his name... Trust me, listeners, you have seen him in some film somewhere as a cop. Like he plays, you know, he's like a great character actor and detective. You know, just detective of some kind. Yeah. Yeah. And usually not very good, frankly, you know, and not very, not very good detective. He's a great actor. And so like it always, it was nice to see his name in the credits is my point. Like he got up to the credit level. He wasn't just like, you know, only in the, uh, he wasn't like in the 10th in the, the, the call sheet or anything. Yeah, this was a fun rewatch. Let's see. We have reached the end of the talking about the movie portion of mm-hmm. our podcast. So now I will remind people, always can use a review. If you want mm-hmm. to give us a review, please do. Mm-hmm. Dan's handing out Blue Sky invites, I think. <laughs> I suddenly got a poll. Good I got like, I got so, like a dozen of them suddenly. It was very see, weird. You just were giving away. See, Dan, you have to like ask for something. <laughs> you mm. have to say, I will give you a Blue Sky review if you... Give, I will give you a blue sky code if you give us a five star review. I'm just suggesting, I, like, you want me? Yeah, no, okay. You're not I transactional will, enough. I can't believe I'm I was going to say I will try to barter. I will try to truck barter and exchange a little more for, yeah. for the, in the name of the podcast. So that is a wonderful way to help us in you become a patron. Obviously, if you're already a patron, then do more if you can, <laughs> and uh, tell your friends and neighbors. What else? We have Rebecca Roanhorse coming up, mm-hmm. and. The musical episode. The musical episode. And then again, if you are a patron and on the Discord, which you should be a part of because it's a really wonderful community, there is a suggestions channel. Mm-hmm. Dan, do you got any plugs? I am going to, Anna, I'm pretty happy about this. I think by the time this comes out, I will have a piece in the Yale Review about the bear and the menu. Oh, wow. Yes. And I, I can't I, believe I, you haven't mentioned this earlier. I, well, because it's it, unlike you to not name drop number one, not humble drop. <laughs> but <laughs> I'm really pleased with this because, among other things, the argument I'm going to be making in the piece is that the bear is the opposite of a critique of capitalism. It's oh, actually yeah. a hosanna to capitalism. So I'm I'm going to be leave this way on. I'm actually looking forward to. I will I will send you the link. I really am curious it's about your interesting too because it's it is all about labor. Right. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Interesting. Yeah, I look forward to seeing that. I haven't watched the second season in some ways because I know I didn't know where it was going to go first season, the addiction Mm -hmm. and family trauma stuff. Yeah. So I ran with it and it was great. But there's a part of me that is like, am I up for this? I will I will tell you and I will tell our listeners the second season is less stressful on the whole but there are two episodes in it that are very stressful particularly if family dynamics will get to you so i i don't want to like sugarcoat it but i mean it's, it's good it's great yeah. and so yeah. that will probably get me there yeah it just might yeah. not be you know and it'll get me there so yeah. that's cool i also haven't seen the menu oh uh, maybe i should see it it's good 
no, I don't think it is good, but you might oh. like it. Like, I, I mean, this, like it, I had a very negative reaction to that film, and that's part of the reason why I decided to write this. It's interesting. There, something about it puts me off, and I can't figure out why. Also, it's such an it's an obvious eat the rich genre film, and in being so obvious, I think not very useful. Although I enjoyed Glass Onion. Glass Onion, I enjoyed as and well. Knives Out. I don't think I don't think those are fine. This is not as good, in my opinion. Dan, also, Would you have like anything coming news, up? Li- news, uh, news, news litter, news newsletter. <laughs> I like the idea of news litter. Yes, that's good. Yes, I have news, a Substack. Uh, it's a Substack. It's called Dresner's World. Letter, newsletter. Letter. Yeah, it's called Dresner's World. It's about you know international relations, American politics, American foreign policy, occasionally pop culture stuff. Anna, what about you? Do you have anything coming through in the pipeline? I am a columnist for NBC and uh, the New Republic. I have a big piece coming out in New Republic that hopefully is either on the stands or it's out. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know what? I had forgotten that TNR is monthly now. Oh, okay. Yeah. Uh, that might be it. Yeah. That's why it's always the 90s in my head in TNR. <laughs> What else? The in flight magazine for Air Force One. On? The in flight magazine for Air Force One. I rewatched Shattered Glass recently. It's so good. It, it really is, so is good. Good. I love that film too. And I was and, writing for TNR online when that came out. I remember because, like, I don't. Yeah. Youngsters, if you haven't seen it, just check it out. Uh, yeah. Although it'll, it would be interesting to me if you had no idea about the context of it. If you just mm-hmm. saw it, but I think as a movie about this incredibly minor, weirdly like micro controversy it should not be as compelling yeah it should not be as compelling of a film as it actually is like i'm actually amazed that is not something i think they could have filmed and yet it's it's yeah it's very well done uh hayden christensen and chloe savigny and peter sarsgaard yeah peter's peter's skateboard (laughs) 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 uh (laughs) not quite that name but yeah he is so good he is just Yes. Playing a character who I know, I, I know, and we both know in real life. I mean, yeah, yeah, yeah. who is not that? I mean, he's fine. He's perfect. For, he's just not the same person. Like, yes, that would yeah. be a safe way of putting it. What else do I do? Oh, in November, I will be doing a Nano Remo writing workshop or a writing gathering where you hmm. sign up and we meet at six o'clock in the morning to write for an hour. Because NaNoWriMo's National Writing National Novel Writing Month, and okay. the idea is you write between eight hundred and thousand words a day, and at the end of that, you have like a novella if you've been writing. So, I've never actually produced a novella that way. I've never actually gotten to the point where I'm writing all of those days, but I will show up and I'll be there. And I give writing prompts and we have like weekly kind of coffees to talk about stuff. It's a really great way. If you want to do NaNoWriMo, it's a really great way to kind of create accountability for yourself and a community that is going to participate along with you. And that information about that is on my website, which is, as Dan knows, www.annamariecox.com. Spell the same way, just pronounced differently. <laughs> Dan, you looked like you had a joke to tell or you're going to make fun of me about something. So I was just, you lost me when you said 6 a.m. That was the only thing. Right? Yeah, okay, no, so it's 6 to 8 and you could join at 7 and also you are East Coast oh, time. That's fair. Okay. So okay. if you wanted to join, if you wanted to do it with us, that would be kind of great. You don't have to be working on a novel. It's oh. just a fun... <laughs> I also do a writing group every month that is just not NaNoWriMo and... Oh. 
it's all, it's also great. It's just I'll a little more it. low key. Yeah, you're not. You're not going to think about it. But it's. it's I'm going to think about it. I appreciate. I am very much going to think about it on it while I'm sleeping. But I'm going to think about it. All right. I think we've reached the end of our pluggables. Mm-hmm. So it's time to say goodbye. And until next time. Keep this channel open for more. Bye.